the message that went out is who could stand in the gap and obviously the answer is we must stand in the gap and we understand that we're in that unprecedented biblical and historical time like no other time in the earth right now that's the time you're living in that's the time we are living in and I'm not sure that many are grasping uh, what the true essence of this time is and we need to understand that even though there may be some waves of peace those aren't the peace that come with the Messiah this is a shaking he calls it that period of time that's like a woman going into travail Mark 13, 8, he said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places as well as famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. And so we see that somewhere along the line, the bride of Christ that's preparing to meet our groom, the Messiah, as we sung and lifted up in praise and worship, is in travail. And we do well to understand we're in travail. Now, I'm not going to name somebody, but I was asked to announce a prophecy that came, and I'm not even going to give it glory. Beloved, too many prophecies coming. Ezekiel 13, God was very, read it yourself. We're living in that time of Ezekiel 13. A lot of prophetic words coming out that are saying, that things are going to be well, things are going to be good, and then about every three weeks there's another prophecy that somebody saw a vision that the president's going to be assassinated, and they sound the alarm, and everybody jumps and runs, and that stuff needs to stop. Because what it does is brings confusion into the body of Christ. Sometimes we hear or see things that we're supposed to deal with. And it's not supposed to be our platform. So I say it boldly. You know I don't care what the assumptions are that come from it. But it got me angry this morning. I got angry. Because it's too much. It's enough already. We need to be preparing ourselves. We need to stand in the gap like never before. But many of us don't even understand what it means to stand in the gap. That very, very word, that scripture, comes out of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22. And it's in verses 30 and 31. And it's actually applicable to the world and let alone this nation today. And also applicable to the body of Christ, to the church. Because all of the church, the body of Christ, is supposed to be the members of the bride. And so this is what... Ezekiel cried out, and this was a time when God was warning that he was going to punish Israel for their sins. And yet you had the voices of prophets coming out and telling them that everything was fine and they were going to move into another time of sweet and honey and well-doing and all of the goodness that came with it. But this is what God said. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger. 
bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. This gap is talking about a breach in the wall. A breach in the wall. A breach in the wall on a militaristic side, especially in that day, is somewhere where the enemy could swarm and come through and overwhelm and enter in. And once they entered in, they could tear down the structure of what was there. And the Lord is calling us to be those who will stand in that gap right now. We see that story in Hezekiah. In fact, it must have been so important as it's the most written testimony of that kind of deliverance there is in the Bible. It's in several books of the Bible about Hezekiah. He was the one who came after his father who was terrible. His father was sinful. His father desecrated the temple. His father canceled, used the word canceled the priests. That spirit of canceling has been around a long time. And Hezekiah somehow got his heart turned to God, not because his father raised him up in the ways of God, but God supernaturally delivered him, which is what we need in this nation right now for this generation. Because we haven't done a very good job of putting them on the right path. We gave up our right in the schools. We gave up our right in the governments. We gave up our right everywhere. We've been legislated out. And the pulpits even got quiet for a long time, and some still are, because they were afraid of losing a nonprofit status. It's our fault. But we can stand in the gap and pull them out. And that is what we must do. Now, I will build on this if the Lord allows me, and I always tell you that, but then he changes stuff. So I have to do what he says. But we are intermediaries who are standing with God. Moses stood before the Lord. And when God wanted to destroy them, it tells us in Psalm 106, 23, God said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. He stepped between the Lord and the people. We preach a lot about grace. We live in grace. But right now, what's sustaining those who don't know God or those that have really, really rebelled completely against God, it's not grace, it's mercy. We're in grace, but we're crying out for mercy. We're crying out for mercy for this nation, for ourselves, for our children, for this world. It's a dark, dark world. And the only hope we have is the voice of those who love their God to cry out. That's the only hope we have. Somehow we're going to be victorious because that's what's written in the Word. But we need to cry out. James, in chapter 3, verse 4, he talked about a ship without a rudder. And as I was praying in the middle of the night, this is what I saw. The Lord said, tell my people to pray like they haven't prayed before because they don't understand the power of their prayers. You see, we think because we're so minuscule, we're nobody in a place far away from nothing. We don't have a voice to the governments. We're not on the media. We're not those that are, that are having a voice that can make a change, but we can, but we're not using it. And this is what I saw. I saw the ship without the rudder. I saw it floating, and the current was taking wherever it would go. And as I was praying about it, 
I began to cry out, Lord, it's, it's going in a direction that we don't know it's going in because the current's taking it wherever it wants to go. That might be some lives that are sitting here today or watching online. You might be getting carried away by a current and you don't really know where you're going. And you don't like where you're going, but you don't know how to stop it. And James said in 3, 4, that's like a ship without a rudder. It needs a pilot. Very interesting thing about a very little rudder, those of you who've had time on the water. The rudder is one of the smallest parts of the boat. And that boat is big, but yet it changes the direction of that boat. The word of God is the rudder. And if it's a a boat that needs power, the force of power to that boat is your prayer. And what gives the sails to that boat or the engine to that boat is your faith. But faith without prayer isn't going to go anywhere. And prayer without faith isn't going to go anywhere. We need to believe the word of God. We need to say the word of God. We need to declare the word of God. We need to stand on the word of God and we need to move with the word of God. That's what the prophetic voices ought to be declaring in this hour rather than grandstanding. And forgive me, I'm turning more and more of them off and I'm hearing the same thing over and over and over. And why isn't anybody held accountable? Where are all those voices that told us that Easter COVID would be gone, or Pentecost, COVID would be, where are they at now? Now they've got something new to say. The president's going to be assassinated because they need a platform. Am I angry? Yes, I'm angry, but I've got the Ezekiel angry. It's time. It's time for us to stand up and say, stop your voices. We don't want to hear it anymore. Stand on the word of God. Prophesy the word of God. Declare the word of God. Apply the word of God into the place and time that we live in. Let it be the rudder that moves us, not voices that are crying out. To add more numbers to their social media. And so, standing in the gap. We have the power to stand in the gap. You know why? Because he who stood in the gap for us is standing with us. Jesus Christ says, ask what you shall in my name and I shall give it to you. And then he puts an exclamation point on it and he says, whatsoever you ask, I will do. I will give it to you and I will do it in his name because he's trusting us to come with honesty and integrity in his name. You see, people are very confused about what's going on in the country. I'm not confused at all. It's lawlessness. And there's some good people with good intentions, and there's some good causes that need fixed. But it doesn't change the fact that it's lawlessness when it releases into that way. We need to stand up and say, yes, 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 that's injustice. But at the same time, we must stand up and say, Christ is the answer. We can't get lost in it. Because if we get lost in it, we're no better off to the people that we're supposed to be a light to. And we actually do them an injustice. I don't know about you, 
Once I was blind, but now I can see. So the blind are leading the blind in a lot of things and well-intended. Well-intended, not bad people. Not all of people are bad. Very few, very few. Very few bad protesters, very few bad policemen, very few. But that's all that's being magnified. And in the meantime, the church has roundtables and little meetings and no effect. We've seen that chapter too many times. We must stand in the gap and declare and pray. Christ said, I will hear you in heaven. I will ask the Father for you, and he will do it. We can stand in the gap unlike Ezekiel, unlike Hezekiah, unlike Moses, even unlike Stephen, because we have the body of Christ with us. Paul cried out. Timothy cried out. So many cried out to pray and intercede. Intercession is putting yourself in the place of the gap for somebody else. That's what it is. Simple. How many of us are willing to do it? How many of us do it? How many of us, if we were to just take a little record of how long we pray, we might be a little surprised how little of our time it is. And out of that little bit of time, how much do we pray for ourselves? Hmm. That opens our eyes, doesn't it? But God says, he hears our voices. And if we don't have hindrances in our life, that's why the Lord brought us to the altar this morning. That's why he took me to that altar at 3 o'clock this morning and 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Weeping and crying. Because once those hindrances are gone, then the rudder of the ship and the sails are filled with the Holy Spirit and the word of the Lord takes us to the place we're supposed to go. So here we are, we're in the place of next and we're coming together and we're asking the Lord, he said, for direction. He promised us supernatural provision. He promised us supernatural safety. He promised us to know the way. But we had a little speed bump that he wants repented out of our lives. And we started it today. We didn't finish it today. We didn't finish it. Not only is it a work in ourselves, but it's a work for others. We don't call out people's sins. We lay them on the altar before God. As high priests, we love that title, priests and kings to the Lord. But how many of us exercise it? You see, a priest is for the people, not themselves. Oh, we like to know I can go into the throne room boldly and my sacrifice is my praise and my prayers are answered. Yes, but you're supposed to be going in for people. A priest is to minister to the people. So we're finding the voice of God and he's saying to us in this place of next, 
I'm going to give you a power and a voice to help me build my kingdom, to prepare my bride as I prepare the way to come. That is our assignment. That's not going to be the last distraction of the last few weeks in this country. There's going to be distractions all over the world. Nation will still come against nation, people against people. There will be false messiahs. There will be signs and wonders that aren't of God. There will be all kind of distractions. But if we keep our eye on the one that we know is the truth, if we stand on that word, if we pray, if we fast, if we say, Lord, keep me pure, if we obey and keep those hindrances out of our life, then we'll be able to help and do what God has called us to do here for his kingdom at this hour and at this time. I'm going to skip a whole bunch of this and go right to this to close with. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. This is why we are able to stand in the gap and know that we're effective in the gap. This is why. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear. What can man do to me? Give the Lord a hand. As I went through my evolution of time in the middle of the night and arrived at sunrise, and I began to say these scriptures and write them down, my spirit came out of the swamp of sadness and I began to soar and I said, Lord, you're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. You don't leave us sad and in a place that's of doom and gloom and forsaken, but you said you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us even when I'm not alert, even when as a body of Christ we've sort of strayed off after other things and complacency and familiarities and feel good and motivational talks. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How about this one, Philippians 4.13? Hmm? I can do all things through Christ who, let's say it together, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it one more time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see the gap? You see the intercessor through Christ? He's standing in the gap for us so that we can stand in the gap with him and do all things through him. And, and then this, Christ in me, the, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Beloved, it's not chance, it's not luck, it's not fate, it's not religion, it's not 
legalism. It's not your past. It's not how good you're doing or what you didn't do. It has not about your failures. It's not about your present condition. It's about nothing. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the good news is no one, nothing can separate you from Christ in you, the hope of his glory. John 4, 4 through 6, you are greater than the powers that work against you. And this is why. Because you are of God, John said, little children. And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Listen to me. There's a lot of voices speaking as of the world in the body of Christ. And the world hears them. But unfortunately, people who know God are listening. We need to know God. We need to know the voice of God. And just because somebody says there's something, we need to understand it according to the word of God and the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And finally this. I'm going to read this whole scripture and we're going to close. Romans 8, 31 through 39. I'd like you to read it with me. We could do it aloud. You could do it quiet. Romans 8, 31 through 39. And the reason being is that this word of God doesn't need me to elaborate on it. He does a much better job just saying it himself. Paul got it. Paul got the revelation. And this Pauline revelation exposes the heart of Christ and the character of God to us and the faithfulness of God to us. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can somebody shout on that one? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Listen to me. Who is justice? God is justice. We have a lost generation asking for justice, and yes, we need justice and reform in a lot of forces of government. But God is justice. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God and who also makes intercession for us. Christ is in the gap. We're standing with him. Who, come on now, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, say it like you mean it. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height, 
nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we ask you, Lord, to help us to hone our skills. Help us, Father, to polish the armor of God. Let us use the sword like we've never used it before in your word. And Father, thank you for that shield that stops, that shield of faith that's able to withstand the fiery darts. We thank you, Lord, that we are secure in eternal life in the helmet of our salvation. And Father, let that breastplate of righteousness stand before us and let our feet be shod in peace and may our heart have love, love that overcomes. Love, Father, not the false love that comes together through human relationships only, but the love that comes through Jesus Christ. Let us love, Father, more. And let us love people more. Finding less fault, seeing more love. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.